0: And, and I mean, I've witnessed it, you know, in environments where people are, are, are experiencing, you know, the psychological safety to show up and, you know, tr- the ability to trust, to have the courage to take interpersonal risks, to have a voice, to share feedback honestly and openly, to be accountable, to collaborate. I mean, wow, I, the results of that are impeccable. Uh, and So I'd love to think that, you know, hopefully in that environment, the, the results could have been even greater.
1: I'm your host Stefano and this is uh, When Leaders Talk, a podcast about leadership and most importantly about leaders. This is a special episode of the podcast because it's not a normal interview that I normally have, but it's more like a conversation, a real back and forth with a great person. His name is Stefano, it's not me, it's another Stefano, Stefano Di Lollo. And we have a lot in common, not just actually the name. He's a a Canadian, he's not Italian like me, but he has Italian origins. But most importantly, he's a coach like me. He's the vice president of leadership development and innovation, an executive coach at Pavilion MDC, who is a Canadian company. But he's also the head of the coach ecosystem at the Grand Heron International. And that's actually one of the organizations I cooperate with coaching we also share the great passion for coaching and leadership coaching and this passion led us today to talk about the darkest side of coaching the dark triad the being narcissistic machiavellian or psychopathic so it's a conversation on the effects of the dark triad and what it means to present those kind of characteristics if you want there's also the impact on the people And the organization. And uh, we also touch upon the uh, measure that someone can use to really mitigate the effect of uh, a dark leader, a person who has these traits um, uh, uh, and incorporates these in in his or her leadership style. There is much more so I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this conversation even if it's not about funny topics and uh please subscribe to the podcast that's a way to keep the conversation on with great guests like Stefano and the others i had in the past and become even better and also follow me on social media i will put the link on the description of the episode and you can also visit my website masterurc.com if you are if you want to explore the coaching and uh, also, the blog that I have on leadership. Well, with no further ado, Stefano Di Lolo. Stefano, we had this conversation and while we were deciding what to talk about, you know, at the end we decided for the dark triad. What makes this topic so important that we actually are gonna spend an hour talking about the dark side of leadership?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because I suppose when we think of leadership and all the wonderful things we could be speaking about, it's interesting how we're choosing this darker side uh, to kind of focus in on. But quite honestly, I I really feel like this is a little bit of the um, invisible elephant in the room when it comes to leadership. It's kind of always present. Um, You know, we're both coaches here we've heard this time and time again emerge in our coaching conversations with our clients. And so it is very much present. And yet, you know, perhaps I I guess it gets dismissed. I I don't know how much time is actually spent really getting down to the, what's this all about? Is there a positive side to it? If we play the devil's advocate, is it all negative? If it is so negative, why is it still ever present? And, um, You know, when I speak to people about leadership, I think sometimes people assume that this darker side of leadership is kind of a thing of the past. It's the archaic way that we used to lead. And yet, I don't know if I know a single person that hasn't experienced the darker side of leadership that we're going to discuss today. It usually really resonates with people. They know at least one person. That has had um, usually not such a positive impact on them. That displayed many of these these either you know distorted thinking patterns or or problematic emotional uh, responses. Something of that nature has impacted them. So I was I, I, I'm quite honestly fascinated by it. I, I really am, and um, and so I guess that's why that's why this is a topic. And I even question if I would have pursued. A career or a career shift in leadership and coaching had it not been for having experienced in the workforce some of these, uh, you know, dark triad elements and and, uh, and uh, behaviors.
1: I am with you. I know. And since we started talking about this and thinking about this, actually, mm-hmm. I really reflected um, to my past and my experiences. And of course, unless you have a tool to say, hey, this person presents the dark triad um, traits, and you don't, you can only assess, right? And yet, and yet, I really revisited those events and those moments, and time were long moments, like years long. <laughs> and mm-hmm. of course, they've shaped me, uh, so, they had uh, such a huge impact on the person I am and the choices I've made. And as you said, becoming a coach, becoming a coach on leadership and executive, I think is a way to mitigate this kind of leadership. And I, I, I have, even the question that you were mentioning, does it have a positive side? No, does it have a positive effect? Also, because as we will explore, many people with uh, triad tri- trades do actually achieve the top of the ladder.
0: Right, yeah. So there is
1: something that I would say apparently good about it, and we will, we will I guess we will go into this a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and but that's it's a, such an interesting question that I, I, you know, I many other people ask before us <laughs> because there are plenty of resources on, on the internet. Yes. Right. Uh, what well, I would suggest before we, you know, move further, I think we need to define what we're talking about right? What what, what is the dark triad? What what, what do we mean when we say, oh, this person presents dark triad characteristics?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's powerful. Powerful. I mean, I guess what led me to even uh, have more of an understanding of what the dark triad traits were was was originally um, a bit of an exploration of just the darker side of leadership in general, I was very intrigued by why some of us behave in certain ways. Uh, in, in fact, actually, this takes me back because uh, about a decade ago, I, I wrote this article that I actually reread recently, and I, I realized how rudimentary it actually is <laughs> now, uh, before training of any sort in leadership or coaching. But really what I called it, I believe, was something along the lines um, of every jungle has a snake. Uh, and I was talking about, of course, the corporate jungle. And I honestly think that that was me trying to find a way to find an outlet to vent, much like what you shared. Like I needed to kind of put it out there without necessarily finger pointing. And it actually led me to create uh, um, an art collection. Uh, it was a zoomorphic art collection that I actually called Jungle Tie. And uh, it, I transformed uh, human beings in the corporate environments into animals in suits, and it was kind of meant to have a dash of humor, but it was actually a little deeper. It was looking at traits that were what I considered dark leadership, and what I realize now is a lot of those traits are actually outlined in um, well, one of the very popular and, and well-known and tried, tested, and true assessments called the Hogan Um, assessment, which was by Robert and Judith Hogan. I think it was like around 1997. So they came up with, uh, I think it's an 11 scale assessment here with all of these traits. And it was actually quite fascinating because I've actually revisited that. And I was like, wow, I was actually drawing about a lot of those traits. And then what I realized was that in research, uh, this dark triad kept coming up. That kind of incorporated some of these uh, uh, traits in the Hogan and what was interesting was, uh, I mean, I guess we, we, we both are very well aware because we've discussed this before. I guess the the, the, the triangle is, uh, of course, narcissism, and not necessarily in this order, I guess, and uh, Machiavellianism, and then, of course, um, psychopathy, which is not necessarily psychopathology, but, uh, of course, there's a link there. I'm just curious now, when I, when, when I'm going through these, uh is there something i'm missing is there one that maybe uh did i get it right there Stefano? Yeah, no no no. you got it,
1: you got it right you got it absolutely okay. you know and then those are the three sides of this this uh peculiar if you want um
0: yeah
1: <laughs> leadership style Let, let's call it like this
0: let's call it there is
1: style. a fourth one that some actually mentioned that is sadism i you know yeah. and that's why some in some references you can find Instead mm-hmm. of the dark triad, the dark tetrad. So it's oh, like, yes. uh, but I guess is it might be or not be there. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we go deep actually in the three aspects of the dark triads, you know, starting with uh, narcissism. You know, narcissistic mm-hmm. people are those who are, of course, self-centered.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they want everything for themselves. But the most important part is that, they still have the need of social interactions because right. that's how they feel fulfilled. That's how they mm. reach their accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So, in a dark trial leader, for them, for a, a narcissistic component, is the one who said, For example, I want to be famous, so others, I want to be strong, I want to have power, so others will admire me, will look right. at me, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So this is this is uh this is the first the first one. Then you have Machiavellianism. Yes. It's hard to say for me, probably because Machiavelli was
0: Machiavelli, an yeah,
1: Italian, yeah, politician and uh, okay. diplomat and diplomat. He wrote The Prince, and actually in this book The Prince, he's he is uh, he talks about strategic thinking and planning. But what he says also is that to achieve your goal, you can do whatever you want. So <laughs> the Machiavellianism okay. is kind of uh, this manipulation of people to achieve your mm-hmm. goal, right? That's right. And mm-hmm. then you like you have the the psychopath part that is more like uh, uh, the ruthless part. The the guy who doesn't have empathy would do everything. It can be very aggressive, but the aggressiveness is not uh, just the uncontrollable outbursts. Can actually be premeditated, kind of proactive aggressiveness. That's, right. that's a, a special characteristic. Yeah, and and the, what they share is a lack of empathy. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the underlying thing. You know, they lack empathy in a way. The narcissistic has what is called cognitive empathy, so he recognizes the emotions. Just doesn't care much <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. it, but he he does. Or the Machiavellian may recognize as well. Just you know, use them for so but the affective part of empathy it means the feeling the pain of the other person and say like putting the shoes of the other person on
0: yeah that
1: is really lacking completely
0: mhm mhm yeah so, powerful and and also um i mean when we hear of these, these three together, it, it sounds quite frightening. At the same time, uh, what I think is interesting is that it's important to note that um, these are really, um, you know, subclinical um, of, course, yes. in, of, of maladaptive patterns versus diagnoses of any sort. And, and, and of course, what we sometimes know is that people will be quick to judge and label someone with what they think is going on with this person. But these are things that, you know, behaviors that we can obviously observe. I, I love the way you, you kind of laid it out. Yep, the narcissist, uh, you know, you're right. I, I like that you said that there, there's, um, at least there's an interest in, in the social aspect because of course, excessive vanity, um, excessive, uh, you know, maybe sense of superiority, but, but then you brought it back here, but there is this strong need for admiration. Of course, you need people. In order to have that admiration, there's, of course, entitlement in there. Um, I always think of the narcissist as, like, I always think of an example. um, And I always think of someone who um, will, let's say, take credit for something that they in no way contributed to. To me, that's kind of my example that I use when I think of the narcissist. Like, that person really, it just has to be about them regardless of their contribution. Whereas, I guess, the Machiavellian side is... A lot more cynical, um, maybe more manipulative and strategic. Uh, I think of, um, you know, when I think of the Machiavellian person, I think of someone who basically says, no matter what, the end will justify the means. I've got to get here. I will do whatever it takes to get this. So, of course, then morality and things of that nature start to get dismissed. Uh, but there, when you think of some of these traits of, of the Machiavellian, let's say trait, I mean, there are some impressive things that if we were just talking business, some people would say, well, those are good aspects to have example. They're actually very good at, uh, they're very calculated. They're very good at impulse control. Um, they're, um, you know, they're very good strategic forward thinkers. They're very goal oriented, which as you hear that you can start to think like, wait a minute, that doesn't it's, not, it's
1: not all too bad, right?
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound you know, like it, it's <laughs> always seen uh, you know, as a negative thing. Uh, I think from what I, from what I've understood, machiavellian uh, uh, traits are the only one out of the triad that I believe there is um, no clinical correlation to in the sense that if we were to go into the level of, 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 of clinical, there's no, necess- uh, there's no evidence of a link with some sort of a disorder, though the other two, of course, do go into that realm where there are uh, disorders at the clinical level. But um, what's interesting is, again, out of all of them, when I hear that one, that's the one that you start reading and, and you might start to think, I can kind of see why maybe for some environments, some cultures, workplace cultures, I can see how there are some maybe positives in there. Uh, now we can question those positives, though. Are they really positives? Or who are they positives for? Right. Um,
1: yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. You know, and It also depends a lot on the organization, on the c- culture of it, and especially in an organization that is very much goal-oriented, well, these people, they might actually uh, find fertile grounds, and uh, become successful depending on what's your definition of success, right? But uh, right. if success is, I'm sure for a narcissistic, would be to um, um, achieve the highest ladder of you know the, the highest position in the organization on the Machiavellian too. So it's if you want to measure success like that, oh yeah, that, those are the perfect people. They right. are. They can be ruthless. The one thing, for example, that psycho- psychopathy brings is this decision making. You know, they make decisions, mm-hmm. even risk. They make even risky decisions because is right. in is in their um you know, in their personality. Yeah, and sometimes it will pay well. You know, of course, you will achieve results. Other times, it's a risk that you that you're running, and it's not it's not so successful. So. I see and I've seen actually how people that will present these traits can actually uh, really reach the top of, right. of organizations. Yeah. But as you, as you mentioned, you know, what, what's left, what's right. the real result?
0: Yeah, exactly. When I think of, you know, the ends justifies the mean at what cost. And when I say at what cost, I mean. What about everybody else involved at this level, you know? Uh, so fantastic. You, 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 made, you made it across the finish line. The only thing is you knocked over everybody on the way there, and they're, they're injured, actually. And so now if that was your organization, you've got a massive problem, you know? But I think there was this one German study. It's, it's actually, um, I was going to say it's recent, but I think it's more along the lines of a dec- uh, under a decade old. And I believe what they made links to was, I believe, um, the narcissistic trait could lead to a positive correlation to, I believe it was salary, mainly salary. I believe Machiavellian, I believe it was more along the lines of your leadership position. And I think your career satisfaction and, um, and from this specific study, they actually said that the the the, the, the psychop- uh, psychopathy uh actually didn't show very positive results for anything that was measured whatsoever and uh, and what's interesting is uh, I actually have it somewhere here actually um, for those you might have some listeners who are curious about this now this is this is mainly coming from academic uh, research articles, which for some people, they're not the most exciting to read. I, I, this one, I have it out here, it was called Do Bad Guys Get Ahead or Fall Behind? And it was actually the relationship between this dark triad and career success. And what I love about it is they go into detail about like, you know, the, the why is it that, let's say, narcissistic traits might uh, lead to uh, a better position or a better salary? And they really break it down well, like, well, they actually probably excel at impression management, which is, you know, how the sum of all of the actions and effort that you're going to put into making sure that people perceive you a certain way. So, I mean, regardless of what anybody thinks, that might actually influence people. And of course, you end up, um, you know, moving along. So... In no way am i saying well everybody should be doing this of course but it is interesting to spot that oh wow well i can see why that is uh, under those circumstances again i keep my mind and i'm sure you're the same way stefano my mind keeps going back to the people that are being impacted around and I'm, i keep telling myself like this can't be encouraged though you know um
1: no but you're right you know and the correlation is in two ways if you will. Um, Because other other research, what I found out is that people going up on the ladder, they become (laughs) more keen of, you know, behaving like a dark triad. Let's call it a dark leader. Right. Um, That's because the culture they are in actually enforce this type of behaviors, encourage this type of behavior. So you see that someone has become successful because they've been ruthless, aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And even if you were a victim, Mm -hmm. you look at this person like a reference and say, oh, oh my God, I want to have the same type of success. I want to achieve the same things that that guy has achieved. So I'm going to be ruthless as well. I'm going to be violent. I'm going to be focused, strategic, manipulative and all these kind of things because I want to be so going up on the ladder can actually push you towards the dark side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I believe I saw I saw a lot coming up, turning up about, you know, the influence that leadership has on the dark triad and vice versa. So quite literally, the climb up the ladder has an influence. But to your point, I suppose if you're in an organization where the – Upper management, the senior level executives, the C suite are modeling a certain behavior that may be maladaptive, but hey, this is the way it seems to work around here. I can see why someone would say, well, I suppose that's what I need to emulate in order to achieve those levels. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get that. And what's very interesting is from that same German study that analyzed if there is, you know, like some positivity in some of these traits. What they did in their study, which I found fascinating, is they really wanted to put the focus on the relationship between, let's say, the leader who is displaying this the traits from the dark triad, the follower who is either influenced or maybe reporting into that leader, and the leader of that leader. Uh, and they wanted to really look at the relationships here and what they discovered. And I'm not sure if this really helps anybody at the end of the day. But what they discovered is that if you possess yourself, like if the follower possesses similar traits from the dark triad as the leader in question, there are less likely to be problems there. In fact, you can actually almost find empathy for this person displaying the traits from the dark triad because you can they resonate with you to a certain degree. So you might have more empathy for the person displaying the narcissistic behaviors because you understand maybe a little bit more of where they're coming from. They want to be admired. So do you. You get that. The Machiavellian aspect, you might actually team up there and try to actually have joint goals. (laughs) So what's interesting is I, I just, the reason I say, I don't know if this helps anybody is because I can't possibly imagine an organization where everybody would be displaying the similarity in these dark triad traits right i'm thinking how realistic is that um I, I can imagine a small group or maybe a specific industry i'm not sure what are your thoughts on that Stefano?
1: well my experience uh, having been in a place where actually as you mentioned was a boss with dark triad traits and uh mm-hmm. and then his boss was Pretty much the same and it, actually there was a third one that was really the Darth father vader the of the old <laughs> organization yeah um i can see how they teamed up i mean and it's true they were uh, yes and no actually there were a kind of conflicts mm-hmm. because you might be scared by someone who is very um ambitious like you are right
0: hmm Mm-hmm. So the, the, I
1: think there is a, there are a combination of possibilities, and, and but I've seen people teaming up, but I also seen people being you know the kind of pushing away the other person because they were either scared or they were different from a little bit different from them, and they were not really resonating. So there is mm-hmm. yeah. a, there is a mix of things, but among all I see uh, a very diverse type of leadership and style. Mm-hmm. It means that you might have the dark leader, but you also might have the more assertive, the more uh, the servant leader, in, in especially, of course, especially in big organizations, despite the cultural organization, my reward, uh, those who are very um, task result oriented, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and these people, they, they align well. But that's, that's, of course, my, my experience, but. You know, generally speaking, I think if we reflect uh how it was in the in the past, even big organization, even a government level, because mm-hmm. you know, there were of course we have plenty of examples of people that most probably because once again we don't have any scientific proof to say this, but most probably they presented the dark Troia traits. You might think of for example in Italy, Mussolini or in Germany, um Hitler in, in in Russia and right. the Soviet Union, Stalin or in China, Mao Zedong. I mean, there are those first strong personalities. But man, right. they have done whatever they could to reach their position, yeah. including killing millions of people. Yeah. Any rival was taken away. But it was Right. Well, yes, it's scary. But it, it, despite they were enforcing this type of culture, they still have people thinking in a different way. They were probably in prison most of the times, but, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so th- there, is, there is that diversity. I have hope for humanity from this point of view.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? What I will say, and, and this didn't necessarily turn up in anything that I read, but when I have witnessed environments where, let's say, there was at least more than a few people um, displaying some of these dark triad traits, what I've witnessed was that at some point they cannibalize each other and it just it just got very brutal because of course when you don't have a strong um environment of psychological safety when you don't have trust built between people of course the minute you slip up someone pounces and i've talked a lot about this i was like always i always think of wolves in the wild with the alpha wolf who is, you know, ruling with an iron fist and of course the minute he has a limp the others pounce in. It just frightens me to be in that environment, but I I do to your point, I do have um I do have faith. I do have faith. Uh, I I don't know I think there are a few facets as to how the solutions to address this would work. We can maybe get to that in in a bit. But um but I do have faith. I mean, I don't think someone like myself or like yourself would be in the work the line of work that we do if we didn't have that faith and and ultimately believe in human potential above all else and um you know it's actually quite when i think of the triad especially when you go through all three aspects you know uh well first off i think it's quite rare for people to have Exceptionally high levels of all three, first off. I think that's an important thing, you know, to have exceptionally high levels. But what I found really interesting was research that suggests that many of the leaders that have climbed up that metaphorical ladder to certain positions, many, I, I think a greater percentage than not, actually displayed some form of these traits. And it also leads me to think, um, and it brings me back to that art collection. I remember I had created all these characters, and at one point, someone asked me, hey, which one of these is you, Stefano? You've created them, right? Which one Which one represents you? Which was crazy, because I think in my mind, you're always putting yourself into the shoes of the hero or the victim or the defender, Um And I had to take a step back. And my answer kind of surprised me at the time. I was like, actually, I think I see myself, a little bit of myself in each and every one of them, actually, Uh, because to a certain degree, we all possess probably certain levels of this at some level. Now, whether it's at extremes where it actually starts to, um, you know, show up in ways that actually start to harm people is a whole different story. but it's just interesting because when I think of the triad, I, I think of some of the names the, 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 that you mentioned, and uh, when I think of some of the people that I've witnessed with these these dark triad kind of traits, they didn't come off. You wouldn't see this person and attribute the dark triad to them, and maybe someone can argue that that's probably uh, the, psycho- uh, 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 the the psychopathy part of it because they're usually quite good at superficial charm and not seeming like, you know, some of these other things are going. But um, but what I've noticed is, you know, it is possible to have also people who are quite good, you know, good people who are displaying some of these, maybe sometimes consciously, maybe sometimes unconsciously. And uh, I'd like to hope that those people can kind of get to the place where they can recognize this and maybe work on themselves.
1: Oh, you're touching upon... um... (laughs) You're touching upon such a, a sensitive topic because I actually have been asking myself: Yeah, can um, a, a, a person with dark triad traits mm-hmm. recognize what they're doing? You know, the negative impact that they have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I, I and I actually had a conversation with someone about this. And, and, uh, I and, and the first answer is no, I can't. You know, mm-hmm. even if you put them in front of a mirror, they will not see themselves. Yeah. Even if you, even if you try to hold a mirror for them, they won't mm-hmm. see themselves because mm-hmm. it's not what they think they are. Whatever they think they do is good. They look at themselves in a positive way. They are the leaders they need to be. They are the achievers. They are... Um, planners, they have all the qualities for the organization Mm -hmm. to succeed. Right. That's what they see. They don't see the rest. And what we're talking about the rest is the people around them. They don't see the people around them, how damaged they are. And when we talk about damage, Stefano, I love your name, by the way. (laughs) Um, And when we talk about damage, Oh, there are so many levels of damage because there are, of course, brain damages and I'm not exaggerating, we're talking about serious problems for people who, especially when, of course, more probably sensitive, fragile people. Then you can have physical damages, physical injuries, Mm -hmm. cardiovascular problem, you know, under stress caused by stress and tension and this kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. And in extreme case, yeah. you have suicidals, you have mm-hmm. people killing themselves mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they cannot bear this, this war, this, this pressure anymore. Right. And they don't find the small spark probably inside of them to keep going yeah. or to heal or to find a way to keep the the head above the surface
0: right yeah and this is the
1: sad part
0: yeah that's the sad
1: part and I think the only way to have a leader like this really being Mm -hmm. able to look at uh, in the mirror and see what they are for what they are Mm -hmm. um, is changing everything around them It means changing the culture around them Right. You need someone, you know, the emperor is naked, you know, the king is naked. Yeah. Uh, You need someone to point at at this person and say, no, you are naked. Right. You are the problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got me thinking because now I'm thinking of the the, the triad and I'm thinking, I guess the exception for me maybe now that I'm reflecting here. The exception, I guess, is um, the psychopathy, I think, is a little bit more of the one that's a little bit touchy. I'm, I guess in my mind, what I'm thinking is it, it, the variable is to what degree are you displaying uh, the Machiavellian trait or the narcissistic trait? Uh, maybe there's more to work with for someone who's displaying a certain level of those. But to your point, maybe if they do experience all three. Um, what's interesting that I, I think you touched on there is I mean, we know as coaches, it, it, I mean, there are coaches that, you know, have, of course, the philosophy that there are no, there is no such thing as someone who is uncoachable. That having been said, of course, if someone's mind isn't open to coaching, we know that there it's a gamble, right? Someone that's been actually labeled as toxic, that has lost trust, faith in themselves and the organization, will not, will have a difficult time, let's say. We're not quite sure how that will work. Um, so if we can't, I mean, certainly, coaching could potentially somewhat aid someone, but I almost feel like that's picking away at individuals one on one. What I'm hearing you saying is, if it's an organizational solution where the organization, uh, you know, makes it very clear, um, you know, what their stance is on some core values and beliefs, and maybe in, incorporates that into the into the narrative into the training into the way things operate into the repercussions for certain i suppose that you're saying the environment will obviously influence someone within this and they will adapt to that new environment is that kind of
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. You- and this is what i see what i see in my mind and i've been thinking about of course you know what you can do and also in the conversation in the conversation that i had mm-hmm. i think there are different levels of things that we can do, you know, in the Mm -hmm. short term, the first thing that comes to my mind, for example, is to help the victims, right? So to
0: try, try,
1: you know, as I said, you know, those people can be highly damaged
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. in the midterm, what you need to do is trying to isolate the, those, those people recognize, right? Identify Mm. and isolate in a way. Uh, trying to avoid them to, to do all the damage they can do, and, and mitigating some 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 way somehow. In yeah. the long term, is um, of course also changing the culture, but you know it requires time. Even in a yeah. small, well, probably in a small company, it's it's quite easy. You change the CEO and a few others, and you're good. But in a bigger company, like the one I've been in for 31 years of my life, I'm mm-hmm. not saying there's a toxic environment, but you know just just using as a reference in a, in a company big in an organization big like in the navy or the military you need years and years and years of absolutely teaching coaching and combination of things to finally mm-hmm. finally uh rule out whoever is is uh has this this characteristics and then mm-hmm. they will be ready to be coached then right. they will be ready to to understand how harmful they are, and funnily right. enough, in my in my search, actually, my coach Julie, uh, we were talking about our trial, of course, as always, and um, that's been a, a topic in these days. <laughs> uh, and she pointed out to a website that is called the uh, the Boss Whisper Academy. Basically, is is uh, um it's it's a psychologist. She's called um, Dr. Crossio, and she wrote a book that is called. I had to read it because it's long. Grow your spine and manage abras- abrasive leadership behavior. Mm-hmm. So what she does actually, she coaches um, what she calls uh, abrasive
0: leaders. The most abrasive leaders. She goes. Right. She gets right into the, into the lions. Uh, right, lions. them, yeah.
1: But you know, as you mentioned earlier, the the first thing you you need is for the other person to you know be willing to be coached. Otherwise, right. it's going to waste of time. And or they,
0: yeah, or they have to experience the pain points uh, that will come with that behavior. Because, again, you can climb to the top. It'll probably be pretty lonely when you get there. Um, especially, we know for a fact, uh, well, for a fact, uh, I'm going to say based on what the research is showing us, we know that mainly when people display the traits from the triad, the perception of their leadership is, is obviously... Much lower, poorer than if, of course, someone wasn't displaying that. Um, which kind of gets me to think of what you were saying, though, because I- I'm going to throw maybe a hard one at you here. But I'm thinking: so, how would you see this playing out in an environment where, let's say, the senior executives, the-, the the top of the corporate ladder in a specific environment, you know, if the research suggests, let's say, that you know many of those leaders will actually possess these traits. And if other research suggests that actually, when you are somewhat similar in terms of, you know, your dark traits versus, let's say, your leaders or your followers, chances are things you can actually somewhat continue. How would you picture an environment like that, you know, ever being, um, I I don't want to use the word fixed, but, but, but improved on in terms of? That when it's kind of not that easy to say the CEO and the president are out uh, because we've detected this, what would you picture for that? Oh, well, I, I know that's that's a kind of a I threw you probably one of the artists. No, 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 actually, that's a
1: great question. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you know, and and that's where, for example, if you are if you work in that organization, there is not much mm-hmm. you can do, right? Because if you go right. to your HR and complain, oh man, you're gonna get fired on the spot, right? They're mm-hmm. gonna either isolate you, they will do everything for you to leave. And probably mm-hmm, leaving mm-hmm. is a, a good exit strategy or you really need. And something that is lacking in many places in the war is a legislative help. You need the oh, government, that. you need, you need someone else to kick in. You mm-hmm. need to, so there are a few things you can do, right? Um, you need to collect of course, proofs and, uh, reports, you need to write down things, you need Mm -hmm. to gather evidences, and then you can go to um, the police or whatever and and denounce these people if, of course, there is a law that will protect you, and that's if, because we give it for granted, but actually I was having a conversation like this a few days ago with one of the victims, and she had to leave the company, and now after her retirement, she is she has drafted a law um in in michigan and rhode island to actually enforce psychological safety in the workplace
0: Mm -hmm. so it's not
1: it's not granted i mean probably if you are in sweden in norway in those scandinavian countries that are always ahead of everyone else especially when it's social welfare and well-being and protection Blah 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 they always uh, they're always mentioned among the best countries we're to live in, right? They have yeah. a strong legislation on these kind of things. In other places, they don't. They simply
0: don't. Fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating that they've actually been able to bring in legislation. I could picture the, um, the response people would have, because many would argue that well, government is riddled with the exact same dark triad, of course. Um... But oh, t- at the same time, <laughs> I mean, look, at the same time, uh, you know, in fact, actually, you know, our, our colleagues, Mirella and, and, and Natalie, uh, Mirella de Sevilla and, and Natalie Doré actually had a conversation, actually, it's actually available online, about whether there is more um, psychopathology in business than anywhere else. And uh, I believe, I'll let people, if they want to listen to that, listen to it. I believe it was inconclusive in the end. Uh, But what I have witnessed is, of course, I've witnessed some of this dark triad in different environments. So for a time, I was in academia where there is no authority, and I saw it there. And so um, it it probably also exists in other, clearly probably in government. I'm certain some people would agree on that. Uh, It's just interesting because I sometimes try to, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how something like that can get solved, and I but honestly, it, it overwhelms me to think of how we would actually do it. Not suggesting in any way that what you're saying uh, is unattainable, but it's like wow. But to your point, I guess you at least to be able to recognize for someone who is you know not thriving clearly in this environment, I, I guess it's very important to recognize when this does not you know work for you and that you well, probably are yeah. best maybe you know yeah.
1: The one thing is this, you know, employers are always. And that's, that's the law, uh, responsible for safety. And then, mm-hmm. then the law, but what the laws implies is normally the physical safety. So you need to wear, yeah. you need to wear your protection, Absolutely. These kind yeah. of things. So they look at you from your physical point of view. The moment there is a, you're injured, you've broken an arm or whatever, well, the employer is going to go through hell because they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to be inspections and, and review of paper and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. When it comes to mental injury.
0: Yeah, I'm not and saying there is you.
1: nothing, but it's much, much less. And of yeah. course, yeah. it's 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 harder to assess. Absolutely. You can X-ray an arm and notice if there is a broken a broken bone. With the brain, I mean, now there are tools that are tests that are you, there are a lot of scans that you can do, so it's it's more evident. But it's, the brain is one is probably the organ that we have is still mostly unknown. Well mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question, actually. sure, the, uh, about your own experience. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, how did you cope, you know, with an, in, with, with the, this type of leadership?
0: That's a really great question. Um, well, first, I mean, I think I, I, I'm fortunate enough uh, to maybe have in my DNA a certain resilience and grit, um, though when I think of my experiences, I'm not quite certain if I would define myself as an absolute victim of those environments. However, I did witness people who were impacted to a much greater degree. Um, So I think a part of me was very reflective and very capable of kind of seeing without knowing what I was like seeing in the other person, witnessing something that I recognized probably had a lot more to do with that person than it did with me. And somehow it's, it's a good question because I don't know if I did not resort to coaching. I did not, you know, um, find any kind of uh, instant solution for me. Somehow I just really, I think, focused on, I guess, my locus of control, which I felt it was me. And what can I influence and what can I control? And I think I was crystal clear with my own values, beliefs and boundaries as to what I was willing to accept and what I wasn't willing to accept. Now, I, haven't, I, I can't say, I can't honestly say that I experienced moments where the environment was you know, so brutal that I walked away damaged. And I know some people, uh, you know, really do experience that. So perhaps that's part of it as well. Um, it's probably a combination of the fact that I didn't go th- to, to that level and maybe a little bit of my own kind of personality. Maybe I'm a little bit, you know, stubborn in my way of being and said like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to let that kind of affect me though. I-, I have seen it affect others. And of course I live it through clients when they come and they share. And that's when I kind of go into that mode to try to help them kind of uh, deal with what they're experiencing. Uh, I read somewhere that you know one of the things that people should uh, we try to do is is to have empathy for this person that is displaying the um the dark triad traits. I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, I think to a certain degree we could do that. I think to a certain degree, we are still triggered and injured by what we're experiencing. So it's hard to kind of sometimes step into that mode of empathy when we're simultaneously being injured. Uh, by the person. But um, the thing with with my example as well is I'd like to think that the people that I was experiencing, let's say dark triad traits with, were still capable of looking at themselves in the mirror and recognizing that they were having a negative impact. Um, I don't think all of them got there, but I do think they had that possibility. I don't think they were as um, maybe as Machiavellian as they could have been. Uh, perhaps they didn't have the, uh, the, the psychopathy, uh, psychopathy as, as, as an issue. Uh, I certainly experienced mainly the narcissistic traits and the Machiavellian traits, but probably the degree even that that wasn't extreme. I'm curious now, now that you asked me the question, I'm kind of almost curious about yourself. Did you experience maybe something a little bit more extreme than what I'm describing?
1: I, I, I think it is. I mean, it's, uh, once, once again, it's hard to assess, right? You don't have mm-hmm. any, any real tool to measure whatever a person is. Right. Narcissistic psychopath or Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, given the descriptions and all the readings that I've done in this few last week, in few weeks, and I do think that especially one person was really the Darth Vader, and actually, it's funny that I say Darth Vader. Darth Vader is, of course, is the the, the metaphor. It's easy metaphor if knows Star Wars. is is the <laughs> is the Jedi who uh, jumps into the dark side of the force, That's right. right? So he's the right. evil by definition, even if there is actually someone even more evil than him. But the, the point is that actually, it's funny because I remember joking with my colleagues, you know, and when this person was actually passing by or whatever, we would make the noise of the mask of dark Vader. <laughs> this kind of heavy breath through the mask. Yeah. Um, so I do think, yes. Um, and, um, I remember vividly the, uh, the sense of fear that this person was able to transmit, not really? just to me, but to everyone around them. Wow. Um, this, this, uh, look that he had, you know, and this looking at you from above, mm-hmm. right. Um, and, uh, this, this way of giving orders in the military contest is very easy. Um, uh, but you know, his way was, was definitive was always definitive. There was, he would never allow, a no, or a, but you know, what if no, it was, this is my way and my way it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then if you think about this, the effects of this, uh, among other things, it's not just the fear on the spot, but then, you know, you're taking away initiative, you're taking away trust, you're taking away motivation. And there are a lot of secondary degree effect that are even deeper the simple fear that you ha- might have on the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he was, the one thing I've been admiring him until now that I understand what that person is, was he was a decision-maker. You know? So there was something to do and man, there were no no delays. He will read the paper make, and make a decision. and there was away. The way. And then everyone will roll in the same direction
0: mm-hmm. by fear.
1: Mm-hmm. Not because we were sharing and ideal, though, it was simple fear. And people could be fired on the spot. I'm not joking, not probably fired from the Navy because that was impossible, but quite impossible, unless you do something very stupid. Right. But he was able from you know to, to make you change job. You know, if you have I don't know, a position, let's say a commanding officer of a ship, and that's an easy example. The, day, the next day, you might lose your, your position and go somewhere lost in, in one of the remote wow. corners of the, of the Navy. It was the power wow. he had. And that was what he was able to leverage many, many times. Not just with the people working with him, that was the old Navy, but also with people he interacted and even higher level. So, uh, yes, um, not a pleasant experience. I've learned wow. a lot, though. I've learned a lot.
0: I really learned mm-hmm. a
1: lot. And the one thing that impressed me, impresses me is that as of today, if I talk to some of my colleagues about this person, there are people that still think that he was a good officer. He mm-hmm. was good. He was great. He has done a lot for them. Right. And that's because they see the results in the, I think, in in Terms of numbers and things, they don't see the. Down. That's right.
0: That it's like the way we started, right? How do you define what made him good? What made him successful, right? At what cost? You know. Um, so you're suggesting that some of those people, though, are well. Certainly, maybe they're still they're still admiring a certain aspect of what he's accomplished. But you're are you suggesting that some of the other people that some people kind of still um, stick with it and maybe grow from the experience.
1: In in different degrees, I guess. I mean, um, I'm not saying that everyone was was sharing his way of of leading. They they, they, they were, and that's the funny thing, is like they were focusing on the results, not Mm -hmm. how you reach the results. Right. Would have been able to reach the same results with a different type of leadership? I think so. I honestly think
0: so. Or or perhaps I'm I'm gonna, or perhaps greater results. Maybe. I'd love to think that if everybody is thriving, then the results should be should be greater, hopefully. <laughs> right. maybe it's a little utopic, but but I believe in that. I mean it's why I believe in environments of psychological safety uh, I have to believe that people and and I mean I've witnessed it you know in environments where people are are, are experiencing you know the, the psychological safety to show up and you know tr- the ability to trust, to have the courage to take interpersonal risks to have a voice, to share feedback, honestly and openly to be accountable, to collaborate. I mean, wow, the results of that are impeccable. Uh, And so I'd love to think that, you know, hopefully in that environment, the the results could have been even greater, but I get that that's up for debate, I guess. For some people, maybe they'd say like, no, it's actually the way he was that led (laughs) to those, right? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe. Yeah.
1: So um, we don't have much time left, but let me ask you, You know, Mm -hmm. since you had a great experience as a coach, you said, as you mentioned, um dealing with a lot of let's say victims of well we can call them victims without yeah sure um, what are what are the tools that you will recommend to these people or you have recommended to these people?
0: well, really, I mean, to me, to me, the coaching is uh, on a one on one level, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the person to get past like let's say the, the parts that they're struggling with the most, which out of a room of 10 people uh, dealing with the same dark triad from someone, of course, different people will, will require different aspects to help them kind of uh, uh, deal with it. Um, but on a second level, I mean, to me, um, it, it comes down to even just the education, the, the ideally in environments where uh, an organization recognizes That there are some of these problems they bring in some really great training uh ideally that allow people in groups to kind of work together to kind of define how they are agreeing and committing to work together to to i mean i believe i'm a huge believer in um you know a team charter of the this is how we are all committing to show up and i also am a huge believer that it has to be upfront and visual. It can't be something that you discuss in a conversation or that you have a file somewhere hidden in your in your hard drive somewhere. Uh, I really believe in that, and I believe in trying to rally the troops, uh, no pun intended, of course, with a military background, that's but okay. to, act, to commit to this kind of thing. I think that's really impo- important. I think a lot of people don't even recognize what an environment of psychological safety or one that lacks it even looks like. And I also think that sometimes, you know, we also have to look in the mirror at the same time. Like I know we might be the victims struggling with this. Sometimes we have to be, we can't be surprised if we ourselves are displaying some of those traits ourselves to a certain degree. And I'll be super honest with you, Stefano. When I think of my um, initial leadership roles, i w- I don't think I was a great leader. I don't think I was a bad leader, but there are times when I think my desire to push my hidden agenda, my desires, my needs, my goals took a step at the forefront. I think sometimes I forgot to uh, consider the collective, the, the, the pride. And um, well, I, I'd like to say that I've gone way past that, of course, in, in leadership, but I really would have loved the opportunity for, to be, have been exposed. To that i also really do think assessments are fantastic i know that sometimes people get very um opinionated on whether they're necessary or not i think they're really great catalysts for reflection to discover a few things about yourself uh, so I, that's another tool i guess that um that i would say and, and i always kind of hope that not everybody waits until an assessment is offered to them but rather like takes initiative to say i'd love to know what my communication style is or like the Hogan, I'd love to know if I possess some of these uh, you know, dark side qualities that maybe I can work on so that I don't have to maybe um, have a negative impact on people who surround me. What are your thoughts? Any tools coming to mind when you asked me that? Did you have already maybe <laughs> oh, some tools just, that- no,
1: no, no, actually, actually, I, I love what you it, and it's important. One of the things that really, still my experience, right? The one thing that kept me going uh was of course, you know, you need to be strong on your own a little bit. You need to have built some resilient mechanism on otherwise you might risk actually to, to collapse. But what really kept me going uh was the power of the community. Yeah. And you know, like a supportive network. And I was lucky to have uh, the supporting network network in the family, friends, but also in the same um, working environment. So I,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, I, I was not even the worst victim, you know, I was not even the target, the primary target, you know, mm-hmm. we were all together and, uh, some of us suffer more. And I remember one guy actually, he left the Navy because of the, 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 the damages that he received from a mental point of view.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: it was pretty much forced to leave the stress and everything else. So wow. the, the the power of community was the, the one thing that really, that really helped me. And if someone doesn't have, of course, and I, I want to use this microphone for say this, if someone does not have this, this network, oh, uh, well, they can reach out and on, and, and it's not, it's not about coaching, it's really about supporting yeah. and, and give other tools. It's not because. Uh, it's important to have someone to confide in and you someone that you can vent, you know, and Absolutely. Let everything go and express your grief pain, whatever it is, whatever it is in your heart and mind and body and, yeah. and let it go. It's it's uh, I think, yeah. I, think it's
0: I, I I honestly I love that you brought that up and it kind of made me feel a little foolish because I'm thinking back and I'm like how could you have missed that part because? The truth is, I'm giving myself credit. Oh, well, I I must have more grit or resilience. But the truth is, I think isolation is a very scary thing. And I think everything is much more difficult when you are isolated and not able to turn to at least anybody. And so to your point, I actually, uh, and I've been doing this for quite a few years, I have what I call a council. It's just three people. And it's not always the same three people that I actually turn to. And we actually make it a point um, to meet up and discuss the highs and the lows and where we're struggling and I call them my council because of course they're kind of my a little bit of a support system and um, they don't always have to be in your organization sometimes it certainly can help sometimes it can actually help if they're not in your organization to bring you kind of a little bit of a more of a neutral perspective without knowing the story and usually in my council I I mean I think having anybody to, to turn to is a good thing, but I like to have um, diversity in my council. I like to have at least someone that thinks a little like me. They're my cheerleader. They might think in similar patterns, that helps me. Uh, I like to have someone that is the contrarian, that I think this way, they think that way. And usually I like to have a bit of a wild card, someone that I don't really know um, kind of which way they'll go. And um, you know, I, I like to, to make it a social event. And so sometimes I will say, guys, you know, uh, and I say guys, but of course there could be women involved there too. Uh, hey, do, you, do we go for drinks? Do we go for drinks? There's a few things I want to I, I kind of get off my chest or I, that I want to pitch your way. So I'm really glad you brought up the community part because, I mean, I think as human beings, community um, is extremely powerful. And if you're going to go it alone, I, I think it gets quite dark. It's, the dark triad is much darker if you're oh, yeah. dealing with, with it alone. Yeah. and consider
1: someone will get along and will find a, a community some some something in uh in, in alcohol or drugs and that's which is yeah that's even darker yeah.
0: that's that's, e- that's, e- that's that's even darker absolutely you know so because you know i i recognize that sometimes family isn't the most ideal to turn to because of course uh, our loved ones might have you know their opinions and what they think is best for us but at the same time, to your point, I mean, as long as you have a little bit of a support circle, and even if it means it's a stranger, you're right, you know, to reach out to someone and say, like, look, mm. hey, can I, can I share with you something that I'm going through? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably one of the best tools, actually, there, there is, actually. Um, yeah. Fascinating topic. I mean, personally, I, I could talk about this for hours.
1: Oh, don't tell uh, me! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, because that means there is a lot to talk about. But yeah, it's not,
0: it's not a good thing.
1: I prefer talking about good leadership. And, and
0: also. Yeah, but but at the same time, I guess we we have to talk about this in order for us to work towards good leadership. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, you can't have dark without light. So no, uh,
1: there are all the shades of leadership.
0: You know? That's right. It's
1: not just bright, not just dark.
0: We can that's right
1: we actually we normally live in between there. yeah We're trying to trying to be the best uh, leader we can and so, and
0: so. absolutely
1: well Stefan thank you for this great conversation I really appreciate it and uh, the
0: time, the long time
1: long. really passed by
0: Likewise, <laughs> likewise, and I and I feel quite honestly, Stefano, like this isn't our last conversation uh, uh, on this topic, and of course many of the others that maybe we would prefer to be talking about. But uh, but I thank you, of course. It's always a pleasure to connect with you and uh, to be a part of this. <laughs>